two kinds of bacon and all kinds of delicious. Say hello to Donato's new Bacon Duo pizzas. Two pizzas, each with two kinds of bacon. Try the new Pepperoni Bacon Duo with pepperoni, Canadian bacon, and hardwood smoked bacon. And the Chipotle Bacon Duo with Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon. Now get $2 off a large Bacon Duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's. Every piece is important. Donato's just didn't add bacon to their pizzas. They added bacon to their bacon. Canadian bacon and hardwood smoked bacon. Or Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon. Get $2 off a large bacon duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's. Every piece is important. Hey guys, it's Varsha. And this episode was sponsored by Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. You guys can record a podcast using Anchor in a fun and easy way. You can also add music and other features to make your podcast even better. Anchor automatically distributes your podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and various other platforms. You guys can also listen to podcasts on Anchor as well. The best part of Anchor is it's also free at no cost. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. It's Real Time with Mega Version, back with a brand new episode of Season 2. Yes, Varsha, I'm so excited to be back with new and better content. Yeah, we've been spending time making changes to our podcast and trying to figure out how to make it better for you guys. We've been planning more episodes and we're also considering buying a better mic. Yeah, so stay tuned for that. Also, guys, the best way to support our podcast is by donating to us. All proceeds will go to charities such as the Tri-Valley Food Banks. You can donate through our website via PayPal and the links will be in the description. Every cent counts. Today, we have a parenting coach from North Carolina who is going to talk about the impact of technology and so much more. I'm super stoked. Here is Dr. Tara and thank you so much for joining. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate being on your show. Thank you so much for joining. We were so excited that you would come. Mm -hmm. Well, I have a podcast too, and I co-host it with my teenage daughter, and I really love getting the perspective of teenagers. And because I'm a child and adolescent therapist, I basically spend my whole day with teenagers. That's wow. amazing. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I really appreciate you having me on so that we can talk about technology and the impact of technology and social media on teenagers. Mm -hmm. So I'm super interested to hear more about your experience with having a cell phone, having social media, having social media accounts, mm -hmm. just so we can kind of start off our conversation. Yeah, I can start. So I got my first phone in about fourth grade. And it's so I used the phone just for calling purposes and for school purposes. And at that time, I had no social media, except like hangouts, which was super simple. And I really liked it too. Because you know, you have a few friends, there's a group chat and all the conversation is simple, no drama, nothing like that. <laughs> and then uh, after that, later in sixth grade, I got a flip phone because the iPhone 4 wasn't working for some reason. So I got a flip phone just for calling. My parents were like, you know what, just use that. And then we'll get you another phone later in the year. So I actually hated having a flip phone because all my friends teased me about it. They made fun of me and I was like, oh my God. I got super sad because of the flip phone. <laughs> mm -hmm. And yeah, and then after that, my dad actually gave me another phone, which is an Asus um, Android. So I actually liked that and I used that for a, quite quite some time. And then I got Facebook and Messenger in ninth grade. So in ninth grade, I was still using the same phone. 
and I had to use Facebook because I needed for school to join clubs and stuff. So that's why I like installed Facebook and messaging just to talk to my friends about homework and stuff in general. Um, in tenth grade, so uh, so in sophomore year, I got another phone. I switched it, um, and I got Instagram too on my sixteenth birthday. So that was pretty fun because I I was really sad because my parents didn't allow me to have Instagram and stuff like that. So my mom was like, okay, yeah, you know what, you can get it. Like you're old enough and you're good to go. So yeah, that's my story actually. So how about you, Mega? Okay, so for me, my first real phone was in the end of the sixth grade because um, I was going to middle school. So my parents were my parents said you're ready for a phone. I had like an iPhone 4G that was my dad's, but like I wasn't allowed to take it anywhere. I had no number. I couldn't text anyone. I just had games in it. So my first real phone was in sixth grade. It was an iPhone SE, and I didn't have any social media till seventh grade, which was. Uh, Snapchat. And I did have Pinterest, but like that's just for creative ideas.、Um, mm-hmm. All my friends had social media, and I didn't have social media because my parents wouldn't allow me. And then eighth grade, all my friends were moving away because、uh, I was going to high school. So I need, I wanted to connect with them and have a way to talk with them. And then I asked my parents, and they said, "Yeah, you you can have it." So I got Instagram in eighth grade, and from there in high school, I just became more like you know to myself. Like I downloaded apps, you know, without my parents uh, really uh, knowing, and like they trusted me and stuff like、mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So like now I have a lot of social media, like Twitter. I did have TikTok, and then a lot of things. So I'm definitely more on my phone than I than than I was like in eighth grade. So yeah, that was that's my story. I have to say, based on what I'm hearing, I feel like your parents took a more conservative approach compared to other parents. I mean, there's some、mm-hmm. kids who have Instagram in fourth grade, yeah, you know,、mm-hmm. fifth grade, and or Snapchat,、mm-hmm. and you know, we see TikTok. There's kids who are, you know, in second grade, in third grade, and they may not be posting videos, but they're certainly watching them. Yeah. So it sounds like you guys, because of your parents' supervision and oversight, had. More of an opportunity to hold off on really having that like constant in your face access to social media. Yeah, yeah. With my sister, oh, her nickname is also Tara, so that was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah,、um, yeah. Same thing with my sister. She doesn't have any social media. She's in sixth grade, and I'm pretty sure your sister too, right, Rasha? Yeah, my sister is、um, in seventh grade right now. And、mm-hmm. she doesn't have social media. She actually doesn't even have a phone because my parents were like, you know, you know, you shouldn't get a phone right at maybe like when you get to you know eighth grade or like when you need it. Because right now it's distance learning, and we were considering to give her a new phone. But then since the distance learning was like, okay, you know what, we don't need it, so you don't need it. So my sister actually loves not having one. She's like, you know what, I don't need a phone, and she's mostly chatting people on Hangouts, and she has a lot of friends there. And then I think this thing called Discord, so which is、mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys heard about it. Yeah. But it's more like social, like there's so many chats and like yeah, she goes on it. She's like in this art group chat and like she shares a lot of art projects and stuff like that. So yeah, that's all. That's what she's doing. So she doesn't have、mm-hmm. that much social media there.、Mm-hmm. I think that sometimes kids will get the impression that if they don't have. I'm going to give the example of Snapchat because that's a super、mm-hmm. popular app. That that's、yeah. just it. They're not going to. They're going to be out of the loop. They're not going to be able to communicate with their friends. And then、mm-hmm. there's kids like your sister who's kind of worked around it. I mean, she's found things that are acceptable to your parents. She has, you know, frequent contact、yeah. and socialization. It sounds like she has a group on Discord that's got friends who have like matching interests. 
and they can, mm-hmm, support, mm-hmm. you know, they can explore yeah, their yeah. interest in art. Discord is a little bit, you know, there's definitely a lot of inappropriate is, content yeah. in there. <laughs> yeah. And there is opportunity for strangers to talk to other yeah, people. So, so you have to be super cautious. Um, yeah. A lot of mm-hmm. kids use it to connect with other, with video gamers. Yeah. You know, it's I like think last, yeah, exactly. And last week I was talking to her. I was having a little talk with her. You know, I also want to know what she's doing. And that's like a job of a sister. Right? You want to be responsible and stuff like that. So I think my sister was saying how she was like in this group chat and it was like about mental health and she was a peer supporter and you know there's a lot of people on that you know there's talking about troubles and situations that are happening in their family and she's just like telling me the stories that they're having I'm like how are you handling this like you're only in seventh grade you shouldn't be like you know on there because I'm pretty sure there are other people who can you know support people who have people who are having troubles and I think they're mainly children so I told her like you know there are a lot of strangers and like you shouldn't trust them and you know because we don't know because they say they are like children you know but we don't know who's really behind that cover or facade mm-hmm. you know yeah but yeah well and the, there's an opportunity there if for example your sister is a really caring nurturing person who's very mm-hmm. interested yeah. in helping her friends if it is an adult that she's really speaking to and they don't have good intentions, mm-hmm. they can sort of prey on the fact that they're re- mm-hmm. that she's really kind and nurturing and they mm-hmm. can create a relationship with a child where the child feels compelled to get back on and check on this person. Mm-hmm. I'm the person who yeah. who is there for them. They need me. Mm-hmm. And so they can end up getting pretty attached to this person and mm-hmm. step away from some of their real life activities because they have the belief that this person is counting on them and that they have a responsibility. So your advice to her to say, you know, hey, can't be 100% sure you're actually talking to kids. And you, you know, she's, I think you said a seventh grader. I mean, she really shouldn't be, she shouldn't be responsible for the mental health of other people. Like that's a huge responsibility for adults to have, let alone a child, you know? So it can get really complicated and it's Mm -hmm. easy to see how this happens with kids. Like this is not Mm -hmm. their fault. This is not them, you know, not being smart about things. But um, if there is adults on the other side of that computer, there's just not a way to be certain that a child Mm -hmm. is going to be able to keep themselves safe yeah Mm -hmm. okay so some questions we have about the use of our phones like how do we manage our time properly with our phones because i think as varsha was saying like uh and varsha and i both scroll on instagram so a lot like so many hours and we don't even know (laughs) and then we waste so much time Time. yeah how do we manage our time well first of all recognize that adults do this too Um, you know, we're just as guilty of, it might be different. It might not be Instagram. It might be something else. I know I'm pretty guilty of going on, um, Facebook and looking up a lot of news articles and things like that. But some of it is making sure, well, there's a couple of suggestions I have have for you. Mm -hmm. One of the things is make sure that your Instagram feed has Mm -hmm. stuff you're actually interested in. That instead of having your, you know, being connected to every single person out there who you know or every single account that somebody mentions might be cool like really cater your instagram feed and include things you're interested in like if you're super into volleyball and you want to follow famous volleyball players in certain colleges that have great volleyball teams and then Mm -hmm. you have your volleyball um the members on your volleyball team of course your your 
peers at your high mm-hmm. school, like th- that's a really great way to make sure mm-hmm. that you're exploring your interests and really enjoying the time. But I know mm-hmm. I'm guilty of having people that I think I don't care about this person's opinion. Like, why am I, why am I looking at this? Yeah. And so mm-hmm. um, making sure that your Instagram feed reflects what's actually important to you so that when you are spending time on it, it really is something that's kind of valuable. You know, for me being a therapist, I'm friends with a lot of other therapists. I read a lot of research articles, educators. So there's times that I'm spending time on Facebook, but I'm coming away with a certain body of knowledge. And I'm like, oh, I learned something versus just accepting a friendship from anybody and then seeing a whole bunch of, you know, useless content. Yeah. So that's one thing. Yeah. Another thing is recognize that even though it feels very relaxing to go Mm -hmm. through your feed and it's like, oh, I'm having downtime. It actually is almost like an irritant to your brain where Mm -hmm. imagine if somebody was sitting next to you and just tapping you, tap, 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 like after a while, it would feel so abrasive. And it's Uh sort of like that with your mind. And then it gets it sort of agitated. You keep wanting to soothe your brain. So you're using the Instagram, you know, Instagram to do that, but it doesn't really Mm -hmm. work. So Mm -hmm. some of it is recognizing that it Mm -hmm. is a distractor. It is an an irritant. It's not actually soothing, especially if you have content on your Instagram feed that is, um, you know, waste of time or just gets you upset. Like if you're friends with somebody who always says really stupid things. And then you read it and you're like, oh my gosh, this is ridiculous. And then you get riled up and you decide if you're going to comment back or you forward that. You take a yeah. screenshot and you forward it to a friend. And now all yeah. of a sudden it's kind of a little source of drama, you know, uh-huh. to make sure that you're not putting that time and, and energy into it and you're not using it as a way to keep yourself constantly irritated. So I tell people, pick some times of the day that you uh-huh. okay. look at it mm-hmm. and make sure that it's sort of, that it's not the first priority in your day. So you don't want to go and look at Instagram before you get started with homework or before you have a conversation with a parent um, or Uh before you spend time with a pet because it can soak up so much of your time and then you're at the end of your day and now you're frantically trying to get stuff done that you really do need to get done like homework and a chore for your, you know, that your parents have asked you to do. So dedicating some time and saying, yeah, all right, I got my stuff done. I'm going to veg out here and look at Instagram. I'm going to look at a feed mm-hmm. that is catered to my interests and what makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. And then really enjoying that time and then knowing that there's a point when you're done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I actually wanted to talk about our moods. How do I phrase this? Like, uh, sometimes like we're in a mood like, okay, we have to do our homework, but I'm not in the mood to do that. And so I just go to Instagram or like my phone. So like, how, how do we like, you know, change that? How do we like, change it? How do we stop that? Because I also have the same thing when Megan was experiencing. Like, I, I have to study right now, like 3.30. You have to study for an hour. But then once I study, it's like, I don't have the mood. Like, I can't do this. I'm going to go play. My brain is not working. Like, I have no mood to do it. Well, understand the reason why you don't have the mood. You're not in the mood to do things is because Mm -hmm. of of things like Instagram. Like it really does diminish your motivation. It pulls Uh at you. And so basically I tell parents that I work with, like if on one side there's some activity, a sport, Mm -hmm. exercise, spending time with family, whatever it is. And on the other side, on the other hand is technology. Kids are almost always going to choose technology. So if you have unlimited access to it, then Mm -hmm. 
you're always going to choose it or you're always going to be really tempted to choose it. And you're going to kind of feel resentful when you don't, Mm -hmm. when you Mm -hmm. can't choose it. So some of it is, is doing what you can. I mean, I do encourage parents to help kids who are distracted by technology Mm -hmm. by having them put some limits on their phone and saying, all right, on a school day, you might have access to Instagram for an hour or whatever, but Mm -hmm. if they have unlimited access and adults do this too, it's just so tempting to keep choosing that as the preferred activity because most of the time it does feel like it's more fun than doing schoolwork. So, you know, if, if you're having a hard time getting over that hurdle of like, ugh. I have to do this boring task when I want to be zoning out and on technology. Sometimes it can be helpful to just Mm -hmm. make that not accessible. A few months ago, I I wrote a book and I had to write a certain number of words per week to get to the deadline. Mm -hmm. And so I would Mm -hmm. go to my office and I would, you know, obviously set this goal and I would understand that before I could go home, I had to get a certain number of words done. And I found myself wasting a lot of time on my phone and I literally learned that if I got up and I put my phone on the couch, like in my office uh-huh. on the couch, and I didn't have it where I could reach it. So I had yeah. to get up out yeah. of my chair. I had to move my books that were on my lap and you know what I mean? Like take the blanket mm-hmm. that I had yeah. off. Like that yeah. cut down my social media usage by probably mm-hmm. 80% by just not wow. having it within wow. physical reach. So I definitely think that kids should use those strategies to say, like when we got on this call, that we're on right now, I got yeah. a text and I looked at it. Uh-huh. No, I'm with these ladies right now. And I, I, my uh, headphone thing is long enough that I uh-huh. reached over and set it on the far side of this cabinet. Cause mm-hmm. I know I won't touch it. It's out of reach. It's uh-huh. become inconvenient to look at it. So you really have to think about strategies like that and use them and uh, recognize that you're not weak. You're not lazy. If you don't want to do these things, the temptation yeah. of technology mm-hmm. is just so strong. It's designed yeah. to make our brain crave it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. I also, yeah. I really like the advice. I'll definitely follow it. Yeah. And also like a few years ago, like I would like go on my phone, like I'd watch YouTube videos or TV shows, like an element, like in eighth grade you know, seventh grade that time. And like in the night, late in the night, like 12 or 11, I used to like look on my phone and then my um, dad like used to monitor everything what I was doing. And he's like, oh, you know, why are you watching? And he caught me like, oh God, he was like, aren't you supposed to be sleeping? Where is your phone? And I got really like, you know, distracted by it. And then like in ninth grade, he set up like, you know, restrictions. So like at 10 p.m., you know, my Wi-Fi goes out. So, you know, I sleep at the right time. And mm-hmm. like at 10 p.m., like I don't I, I go to bed, but I read a book because I can't sleep that well. Mm-hmm. So I won't sleep in 10 minutes because like, like people when they're just in bed, they just sleep in 10 minutes. For me, like I just stare up at the ceiling and I don't know. So I read a book. So then it makes me sleepy. But yeah, so I think like, you know, parents should like monitor their child's like, you know, you know, their use of technology and stuff. And like, it has helped me too, because I'm getting better to see I'm sleeping on time. Like, I'm not looking on Instagram. Because like at 10, it just goes out. Like, I have no communication with anyone. Like, all my devices, just the Wi-Fi is out no matter where I go. I mean, there are exceptions. Like, if I have an assignment to turn in, yeah, my he lengthens the time to like an hour. So mm-hmm. I have to finish that, you know, that assignment in like an hour. So, Yeah. That has helped me, but yeah. Yeah, those are really, really helpful strategies. That's why they're there. And you can also have certain apps, like if you have an iPhone and you have screen time where you can mm-hmm. say, okay, this app you always have access to. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And and that might be, you know, Google Classroom or something that's, you know, related to schoolwork. Yeah. But yeah. Snapchat yeah. might shut down at a certain time. And we see that that the sleeping issue that you mentioned where kids, mm-hmm. they can just stay on it later and later and later and later. And, mm-hmm. and it really impacts their sleep, which then also contributes to having, you know, a grouchy mood that can set to have inattention. Like, you know, when we're tired, it's harder to pay attention. It takes more effort. Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot of things that having poor sleep can be related to that isn't necessarily healthy. Mm -hmm. So I really encourage like with you, with you ladies being a little bit older and you're, you know, well into high school, like I really encourage parents to collaborate about it and say, okay, well, what's your biggest temptation? Like what's the thing when it's 10 o'clock and it's time to to calm down for the night. Like, what is the app that you're on? What is the most appealing to you? And for parents and kids to work together and talk about it in terms of strategy, not like a parent punishing you or mm-hmm. controlling you, right. but just like we all have to cue ourselves mm-hmm. to have healthy habits. And we need to use strategies to default to behavior that is good, healthy behavior. So I'll give you an example, like in real life, I enjoy getting my nails done, but Mm -hmm. I have a rule that if I don't exercise three times a week, then I can't get my nails done. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's, I don't like exercising. It's not super fun for me to, but it's a really important, healthy behavior. And so I give myself this little treat. There's nobody who monitors it. You know, I'm not gonna, it's not like I have to get money from my husband or anything like that. It's something I just manage myself. But it makes it so I'm like, all right, even though I hate exercising, like I really enjoy celebrating like being healthy by going and getting my nails done. And so it makes sense for kids and parents to work together to think about what things are going to help kids make good decisions. Because technology is, like I said, it's addictive. It causes a certain chemical to be released in your brain that makes you feel happy. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. we take that away from kids yeah. or we expect kids to just turn away and like, you should just be mature enough to turn away from technology. It's 10 o'clock. You got to go to bed, but that's not really the way it works. So it's helpful if you guys work as a team. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, for me, I, I go to bed pretty early cause I, I, I like sleeping. I don't like waking mm-hmm. up in the morning. <laughs> so I know that I have to go to bed early if I want my like eight to 10 hours sleep. Right. So I, I try to go to bed by nine thirty. But the thing for me is like I'm always on my phone before and I, you know, I heard that like it's bad for your brain or your body to be on your phone and then immediately go to sleep. So like I'm I like reading. I used to read a lot of books, but ever since I had my phone, I've been reading less and less. And I've been trying to read before I go to bed, but it's, it's like becoming it's kind of hard. So like, how do I read before bed instead of being on my phone before bed? Well, and I have that. I love to read too. And I found that when I got more into my cell phone, I would spend more time on social media apps or just, you know, things that I thought were interesting. And so for me, I turn off my access to, and this is obviously I have the password, so it's yeah. it's just a false thing, but I turn off my access, particularly to Facebook at a certain time. Mm-hmm. And then the app that works all the time for me is I have a library app that, you know, you can, you can borrow book ebooks off of it. So I always have like two or three books that I'm currently reading. And so that I know there's a point when like Facebook is done and then 
I like staying on my phone. I, I want to do something relaxing. And I like you, I find reading very relaxing, mm-hmm. but it forces me to be like, nope, stop this and go mm-hmm. and read. And then the reading is, I mean, science tells us that is more of a relaxing activity, especially if you choose books that you really enjoy. Like mm-hmm. I, like I mentioned, I have a couple books going at a time. I don't allow myself to read like high action or mystery or like kind of scary books at night because that will actually keep me awake and I'll be reading, reading, reading. But if I'm reading like just a fiction novel, that's just a really pleasant read, then I can get to that place where I feel relaxed and can go to sleep. So some of it is turning off those really high stimulating apps and Mm -hmm. and whether it's 30 minutes or an hour and saying, okay, if I want to be turning off my light and going to sleep at 930, all my social media apps are going to turn off at, let's say, 845. They turn off. You go wash your face and brush your teeth. And by nine, you're in your bed and you read for 30 minutes a book that feels good to you. And then and then that's it. Then you have a nice night. Mm, okay. I okay. I agree with that, too. Like, I think you should, you know, not look in your phone. Because my mom also told me that like, don't look at your phone in the night. Like, it just won't make you sleep. Because for me... One day, like a lot of my friends message, like my friends message me usually in the night because they're free. And like I had this friend, and like you know we we our friendship like worked this year, which was kind of I mean it was her fault kind of, it was her fault too. And we had like a lot of drama like last year, and it like all came to a halt. I don't know if she will ever apologize. I don't know anything about it, but frequently she and I like we always text in the night. And like I used to think like she said rude comments, and like a lot of other friends too. Like they ask me questions or like they. You know, they are, like maybe they have some drama to say, but then like I check it at night and I was like, oh, should I text back? Should I text not? Like, should mm-hmm. I text back or no? Like, I think. And then when I text, my mom was like, oh, wh- why are you texting right now? You're not supposed to text in the night. Cause then, and then I didn't get, couldn't sleep because I was thinking about like, oh my God, what, what would this person say? Oh, maybe that person wants to talk to me, you know? So, and then you mm-hmm. will sleep? Yeah. And then, no, I then I never sleep. I just keep thinking about it. And then finally I somehow sleep because like I mentioned before, my wife goes out at 10 so i have nothing to think about so sometimes i just yeah i just go to sleep right away but yeah yeah it's very freeing when you have a boundary like that because i mean and i think this is true of for adults too but a lot of times with teenagers if if somebody texts you or they snap you you really Mm -hmm. feel compelled like i have to respond and yeah, you right. feel almost guilty if you don't, or you think, well, gosh, what if they really need me? Or what if it's something important and I'm missing out? And it can kind of bring you around on a merry-go-round that can end up being feeling really stressful. So sometimes it is really helpful for parents to just be like, all right, there's a time when all of this ends, you know, that 10 o'clock time, and you just worry about it in the morning, and it's taken out of the kid's hands. Mm-hmm. And... Mm-hmm. Of course, your good friends are going to know like, oh, my mom makes me get off my phone at 10. And that way they know if you're not going to answer. Mm-hmm. It's just because right. you don't have access to your phone. It's certainly nothing personal. But a lot of times right. kids are up half the night. Um, it used to be that my my kids had to like they park their phone on my nightstand and I would plug it in to charge it. And there would be, you know, all night long, there would be notices that so-and-so sent a snap or there's something on Instagram or a YouTube channel that they follow posted something. And I was like, goodness, if this were in their room, like this would be really hard on them for them yeah. to, yeah. to refrain from looking at these and, and responding. And then a lot mm-hmm. of kids too are wearing, um, uh, I always call it an iWatch, but that's not an Apple watch. And mm-hmm. so then they have their wrist buzzing 
that tells them yeah. that something <laughs> so is right. So yeah. a lot of it is like, it's not only do you need to set aside the phone, but you need to make sure that you're not sleeping with your watch on or, exactly. or you turn off the notifications. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And also like some of my friends, like they get angry when I don't text in an hour. And that's why like my, you know, my friend just stopped talking to me because we used to have fights and, you know, like it was a, and she said it's a toxic relationship and I got so mad, like so much drama happened. Right. And then like this year, like our families were also really close friends as well. And like this year it all came, like, like I said, it stopped. Right. And like, I don't know what's going to happen next. So, like, she was a person who was, like, you know, she would get mad if I don't text in, like, one hour or, like, ten minutes. And I got super annoyed, even, like, some other, some of my other friends, too. Like, if I don't read the message or if I left them unread, maybe I have something to do. That's So, I want them to understand that, you know, I have work to do. Like, you know, I have to focus on my work and texting because I can text you at another time. So, sometimes mm-hmm. I feel that, like, you know, it's kind of annoying because people sometimes have a problem with me like not texting back at the right time like it's fine if I text after two hours it's like if it's not important then I don't text back if it's like about a homework question yeah but if it's like something really personal like no like I wouldn't you know I would just like I wouldn't text at the right time like because I have work to do right but yeah well I think about with texting there's like an etiquette to it right like there's mm-hmm. there's what's yeah. mannerly and so I mean if you knocked on your neighbor's door and they didn't answer. You would just right. go home and maybe try again later. You wouldn't stand there and knock and knock yeah. and knock and then walk around the back of their house and knock on the kitchen window. Like yeah. that would be so rude and so invasive. Yeah, that mm-hmm. is. Yeah. Yet somehow we think and we expect that if we text someone, they should be texting back. And if they don't. Two kinds of bacon and all kinds of delicious. Say hello to Donato's new Bacon Duo pizzas. Two pizzas, each with two kinds of bacon. Try the new Pepperoni Bacon Duo with pepperoni, Canadian bacon, and hardwood smoked bacon. And the Chipotle Bacon Duo with Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon. Now get $2 off a large Bacon Duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's. Every piece is important. It's that's, you know, they're not being appropriate. They're being unkind. They're stuck up or, you know, whatever, whatever it is. And in reality, you know, it's up to each person to sort of set that boundary of like, how am I going to conduct myself? You know, who do I owe my time and attention to? And with the number of kids that you might have, you you might be friends with on Instagram or snap Mm -hmm. or just who's in your phone, right? Like who can Mm -hmm. just text you even like it's, it's, there's no way you could keep up with it Mm -hmm. at that pace with everyone and still get your schoolwork done and spend time with your family. And if you have chores or you have a job or your podcast. And so some people really there, I don't feel they've been appropriately coached by their family members on how to handle like what the texting etiquette is. And so it's unfortunate for you because you felt all this pressure and it caused tension between you two. And then it probably made you even enjoy communicating with her even less. And it just kind of goes down this cycle. And, you know, nobody's really entitled to your time except maybe your family. And, um, you know, but I, I do feel for her that somebody didn't give her more support on how to handle that feeling when you send somebody a text and they don't respond back because they have to tap into their coping like are they not texting me back because they're mad are they not texting me back because they didn't see it like we have to control our own thoughts when we do send a text and we don't get a response you know because we all can kind of spin 
and, and be thinking something that may or may not be true. Mm-hmm. Um, another topic that I want to discuss was cyberbullying. Like, especially with social media, there is so mm-hmm. much cy- cyberbullying. So, like, how do we deal with cyberbullying? Um, because of cyberbullying, they have mental illnesses. illnesses. Like, mm-hmm. they suffer from anxiety or, like, depression. So, like, how do we deal with that? It is really tough because there are times, especially in your age group, where you can really have what feels like a very positive relationship with somebody online and then it just sort of turns. And then you you kind of have whiplash, like, what? I thought we were good. And now all of a sudden they're saying something hateful or untrue or excluding me in things. And I think some of it is recognizing it's not just a matter of stopping it. It's a matter of understanding there's going to be times that it happens, but you having healthy coping. And so that means making sure that if somebody says something like mean or hateful about you, that you don't go into a place where you think they're right or you start second guessing yourself or doubting your own value, Mm -hmm. that you realize that the Internet is a place that even if you know each other, like let's say it's somebody from school that you know in real life, people feel empowered to show their like ugliest version, you know, Mm -hmm. to say hateful things or tell somebody off or you know, they'll write a passive aggressive post. They'll be like, so glad that I don't have to do that math project with that girl in my class anymore, Um, you know, or something. And everybody knows they're talking about you. Yeah. And so, you know, that's, it's a really tough thing to deal with. And I like to tell kids like, know your boundaries, you know, know when it gets uncomfortable and when to step away, because that's really where your control is, is Mm -hmm. how much Mm -hmm. you respond whether you allow them to stay friends with you on that social media site, like you have control over that. You don't actually have control over what they're saying. Mm -hmm. Um, But also too, is I think that blocking people is oftentimes used as a weapon. Like if you are annoyed at someone, then, you know, it's not the end of the friendship, but it'd be like, I'm going to block her. And they block somebody for two days just to kind of be spiteful and throw them out of the loop. Uh And so some of that is like really trying to foster communication with your friends where you say, hey, if you're frustrated at me or annoyed or I did something to offend you, like talk to me about it. You know, I want to work things out with you. But this childhood childish blocking, I mean, it's kind of like slamming the door in someone's face. Like if if you were to do it in real life, it gives Mm -hmm. it's that same idea. I'm going to slam the door in your face and then maybe at some point I'll open the door again if you're lucky. And that mm-hmm. merry-go-round of wondering yeah. if somebody's going to do that to you is really stressful. And so some yeah. of it is as you get older and people understand that if they block you and then they, un- you know, and then they unblock you and then they block you and unblock you, like if that's how they're going to communicate, it might yeah. just be a good idea to say, hey, I just don't know that we're going to be able to be friends on social media. Like this isn't healthy. Right? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But you're right, it does lead to a lot of depression and anxiety. It leads to a lot of self-doubt. I recently was working with a teenager and she was talking about how Instagram was like her favorite app. And we looked at her Instagram together and it wasn't, she wasn't going to get in trouble. It wasn't about that. But when I looked at her Instagram and I saw, you know, who her top people were that she followed, Mm -hmm. it was all like beauty videos body image stuff, comments about appearance. And so this particular girl was really struggling with some body image issues and she would post something and she would get so down if there wasn't at least like 150 comments of people telling her she looked beautiful. Yeah. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so she was constantly trolling for that type of validation. 
And so we talked about, you know, how when she was spending, you know, seven hours on Instagram, because it's been, Mm -hmm. you know, it's been summer. And, and then she was only looking at an Instagram feed that had all of this material that was related to body image and appearance and makeup and all this stuff. Like she was inundating herself with all of this content that was really, you know, unhealthy for her. So we figured out a way like to increase her exposure to Instagram material that was more balanced. She had some stuff about, um, you know, from people who were not about their body image, you know, who are musicians mm-hmm. or artists or politicians, you know, feminist icons and things so that she, yeah, she still saw some of her favorite people who talked about makeup and fashion and things like that, but it wasn't yeah. the only thing that she was inundating herself with. And then we also got, you know, collaborated with her parents to lower her limits. So she wasn't on it eight hours a day, but you know, she still had access. She wanted to have fun with it. It was part of her day. It would have been crazy shocking for her if she went from eight hours to two hours. So we slowly eased it down and tried to work on her getting more balance in her day with real life activities, exercise, you know, making sure her sleep was well balanced to control some of the symptoms she had of depression and anxiety. So it took a lot of work, but it started off with us really looking at like, what are you exposing to yourself to every day, all day? Because this matters, you know? Yeah, right, right. Yeah. And um, how do we help people who have anxiety? Because I do have friends who uh, suffer from anxiety and like, I I don't know the best way to reassure them. Like, I try to speak with them, but like, it's not... I'm not good at that. I try to calm them down, but like, it's not my specialty. So how do we help them? Well, some of it is recognizing that you're exactly right. It's not your specialty and it can't be your responsibility. And if there is, if it is the type of anxiety that's really impacting their functionality, their self-esteem, you Mm -hmm. know, it's impairing their sleep or their sense of self-worth or getting their schoolwork done. Like they Mm -hmm. really need to get some support through, you know, the school counselor at school a trusted adult, like it can't be something that they just try to manage on their home on their own, because, you know, Mm -hmm. we have, we have science, you know, there's a lot of science that can Mm -hmm. be used to support people with anxiety. But if you're standing there with a friend and they're expressing, expressing that they're anxious about something, one of the best things you can do is just to let them know that you hear them instead of saying, Oh, you don't have any reason to be anxious. You're fine to say, Oh gosh, I hear that you're so anxious. And I hear yeah. that you're so worried. Um, I just want to remind you, I'm here for you if yeah. you want to talk. And make, making sure they don't go down the road of really having a lot of irrational thoughts. Like, uh-huh. it's okay to validate, oh, I hear that you're really worried you're going to fail the test and then you're not going to get into college. But yeah. I just want to remind you, you are such a great student. And even mm-hmm. if this test is harder than you think, everything's going to be okay. And so you're not telling them, don't be anxious. This is silly. You're super smart. And there's never reason for you to feel anxious about grades. You can be in the space with them where you acknowledge how anxious they are, Uh but still assure them like they're going to get through it and things Mm -hmm. are going to be okay. And you're there to listen. Okay. That's helpful. Yeah, it is. And one other question we had about this topic was how do we gain self-esteem? So much of self-esteem has to do with the action you take towards yourself, you know, who you surround yourself with, you know, if you're, if you're surrounding yourself with people who are 
reinforcing, who are happy to praise you, who wish mm-hmm. you well, right. who are happy for you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also the messages you send yourself. So if you get discouraged and you say words like, you're so dumb, you never yeah. do anything right. Mm-hmm. You know, you're never going to make something of yourself versus saying, whew, that was really hard. I'm going to have to study more next time. Or, yeah. you know, all right, I, I, that wasn't my best work, but... I know I'm a really good student and I'll figure this out. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I know next time I'm going to ask for help because I wasn't really sure how to go about this. Like you can acknowledge that you behaved in a way or you you had an outcome that, that wasn't positive. Like we don't have to pretend everything is fine all the time, mm-hmm. but still have a message to yourself that's hopeful. And okay. so that's up to, you know, each person within themselves to train their brain to not just immediately go to a place that's really self-sabotaging, hateful, negative. And that's going to be easier to do if you're around people who mm-hmm. are able to do those things too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so those are my two advice. Surround yourself with people who will make you feel good and bring out your best mm-hmm. and teach your brain to give yourself messages of hope and reassurance, you know, realistic messages. It's okay to yeah. say, all right, you know, science is probably on my hardest subject. But, and and so I might need to work harder, but Mm -hmm. I'm going to get through this class, you know, like, okay, 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 got it. Yeah. Yeah. So moving on, like, um, we also wanted some tips about public speaking, because for me, I had a fear of public speaking ever since I was young, and I still do. Um, Starting this podcast, I had to have a lot of courage for this because I'm I'm the type of person who gets scared for presentations, get scared if someone will call on me, or like you know the night before I would get nervous, like oh, if is the teacher going to call on me? What if I mess up, etc. So like, how do I gain? confidence about public speaking and like how do I speak properly without stuttering and even like episodes for this podcast I always stutter I always like mess up so how do what are some tips about that well that's a good question I think that you know if you have an opportunity to ever take a public speaking class Mm -hmm. um if you haven't already Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like when I look back at my high school years, I mean, that was probably the most influential class I ever, I ever took. And so some of it is really figuring out, um, like what you need to do to actually build your skill, because there's a couple of things just looking at it two ways. There's, you know, what's the, the expertise that you can get. And then there's handling your nerves, like handling Mm -hmm. your anxiety about it. And it's, we're always really tempted in our world. Like when something makes us anxious, it's always really tempting to avoid it, to say like, I'm not good at this. So I'm not going to do it. I'm just not a natural public speaker. So I'm not going to do it. And what happens then is we reinforce it, right? Like, so if I'm scared of elevators and I feel like I'm, you know, the elevator is going to crash if I go on it and I start avoiding elevators, I'm never going to have the experience of getting on an elevator and seeing that it's just fine Mm -hmm. and I'm safe and I got to where I needed to go. Uh-huh. So some of it is making sure that you don't adopt a really avoidant response and that you might, you know, you don't have to necessarily give a speech in front of 400 people, mm-hmm. but you can, t- you know, take these little moments to practice pushing up against your fear. So it might be, well, instead of sitting in the back of the class where no one can see me, I'm going to, I'm going to move up a little bit farther towards the front so that yeah. more people are just looking at me naturally. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to commit myself to answering 
you know, three or four questions in class this week and raising my hand and responding, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. making yeah. sure that you um, use some strategies to keep your body calm, whether it's um, writing down the answer you're going to say, like as the teacher's lecturing and you jot down a couple things so you can look down it and down mm-hmm. at your response and cue yourself, whether it's doing something with your hands to, you know, right. putting your hands on your knees or something to keep you from rocking back and forth or whatever it is that your, that your body's response is. But mm-hmm. some of it is just challenging yourself in these small ways, seeing that you got through the hurdle, even if you were anxious, even if you got all sweaty or you stuttered for a minute, but yeah. you, like you starting this podcast is just you tackling it head on because Mm -hmm. as you go through each episode and you get more comfortable um then it you're just more practiced at it so you're doing so much of that already I can see Mm -hmm. yeah um I've noticed through my years that I like if you compared me in sixth grade and now I've definitely gained more confidence um sixth grade I, I was super scared but like in high school I've been through a lot of presentations, a lot of speaking in front in front of people that I'm more confident, but not as confident as, you know, most people. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm going to work on probably raising my hand more, volunteering more in class. <laughs> yeah. I well, like I to- think you're making an assumption that other people are more comfortable with you than you are. And in uh-huh. reality, most of us, I mean, I, I'm a very experienced public speaker. I also have a podcast, you know, mm-hmm, I yeah. mean, but at the same time, everybody's going to fe- experience those like butterflies in your stomach or a moment of, oh gosh, what if my fly is down or what if I yeah. spit when I talk or yeah, get all sweaty yeah. or yeah, whatever right. it is. And so some of that is if you're telling yourself that everybody else is calm about it and you're not, then that's probably one of those defeating thoughts that I was mentioning, because that's probably not true. I mean, even okay. teachers who talk all day, right, in front mm-hmm. of groups will have that little, you know, they have to take that breath um, to remember that they know a lot of things or they might feel really comfortable presenting in front of kids, but mm-hmm. then really right. struggle when it's like back to school night. I know there's a lot of teachers right now with remote learning where they know that their voice is being projected in all these households and they don't know if parents are standing right behind the computer screen or they're not home. So they're all of a sudden talking in front of, or at least have the potential to talk in front of much, much bigger groups than ever before. So, you know, recognize that it is really, really common to have that Mm -hmm. stress when it comes to public speaking. And so, I mean, one of the things you can do is, is to not, you know, not remember that because it's, it's, that's just not a, a true statement. Almost everybody struggles with talking in front of people. Okay. Yeah, and I'd like to add on saying that, like, I also experienced what Mega felt like, you know, in elementary school. I was also very like shy to speak in class, and I would never raise my hand. So, like, um, like you know, what when they discuss when they're having a discussion, I would like like be really scared to like answer and stuff. And then like as the years progressed, like I kind of gained the confidence, and I actually like I I'm a person who do- who doesn't have stage fright. But, like, when I go to a classroom and I present, like, I get so scared and stuff. And then, but, like, if I go on a stage, like, it's not even that, like, I'm not even that scared. Like, I just do it normally. And some experience I've had is that I've been doing emceeing for, like, two years and I do it with my friends. And, you know, it's pretty, I've been, like, I've gained a lot of skills with that. And I also am in the speech and debate club and I actually joined in ninth grade. 
and I also like attended a tournament in Santa Clara University which is pretty amazing because I like that was a really good great experience I would say because I kind of like gained a lot of skills and like I knew like how to give a good speech and stuff Mm -hmm. like the judges gave like you know tips on how to make my speech better because you had like three rounds and then you had to say the same speech again which is stressful but it was fun at the same time because you get to chill with your friends and then after you know like there's a specific time where you go into another different building and then you would you know say the speech again and for me the first round was horrible like I didn't do good the first time good but the second and third I just like messed up but it was a good experience yeah you learn from it and also it helps when you're comfortable with the topic that you're speaking on like obviously the speaking that I do I only talk about the things I know a lot about. I don't have a reason to talk about things I don't know a lot about. So for me, when I start to do a presentation, because I feel like I have so much helpful information to give the audience, Mm -hmm. I forget about myself in that moment. I forget about how I look or what, you know, Mm -hmm. expressions are on my face. And I just really get caught up in how I want to help the families or the professionals that I'm Mm -hmm. teaching something to. So the older you get and you're going to get more experience in becoming like an expert at something. And that will make things easier and easier. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like, I've always like tried working on it. Like I honestly like love giving speeches because like if I'm passionate about a topic and I really want to solve that issue that I'm talking about, like maybe some because like year I think maybe last year or the year before I attended this Toastmasters International like kind of eight week session and like every Sunday we would my friend and I we would go we had discussions you know you have to go in front of the class um say like they have like table topics and you would talk about that like um you would answer the questions to yourself in front of the class and it was like really helpful and like the end of the eighth week you have to basically you know come on Sunday invite your parents over and then you give a speech about like random about a random topic so I chose you know child marriage and I was really like I was like talking about it and like I walked here and there and like a lot of like all the judges loved it and they were trying to say like you know this is a really you know big problem so yeah I'm always like even though like I'm still trying to work on even like starting this podcast I've learned how to speak properly like in front of my friends I would not stutter or like some because sometimes like in my previous episodes I'd say like like so many times (laughs) and stuff like that like uh, filler words I would say Mm -hmm. but yeah so I'm still working on that in the future (laughs) I would want to give a tech talk to like so I hope to become like a really good speaker someday I think that's a wonderful goal you know I mean Mm -hmm. I think you're gonna get old as you get older you're gonna get more and more passionate about a particular topic and you're gonna feel so compelled to share that information and that can really lead to a natural like some natural leadership skills Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay would you, you have anything else that you would like to talk about um, I wow, I think you guys have been so fantastic about asking some great questions. I know, you know, I'm so glad you met, we had a chance to talk about um, sleep, because yeah. I think with uh-huh. teenagers, yeah. that is such a, a contributor to right. teenagers having a successful experience, like emotionally, you know, physically being able to stay in tune with what their academic responsibilities are. Yeah. So I'm yeah. so glad we got to mention that. So that was mm-hmm. really when we were. Me. Yeah, we were so excited because this was our first episode with the professional. Yeah, professional, um, and yeah, so it, so we we wanted to prep ourselves and make sure we had all the bullet points and like so we were happy that we could uh, share. Oh well, um, it was excellent. You did a great job thinking of thank topics. You. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah.
go ahead yeah so our last pro- like last uh, situation is so how can we cope with family situations like for example like one of my friends her parents split up and i tried talking to her and she was in my pe last year and you know she was talking to me we had like a little talk and stuff and she's like you know i'm doing fine and she was like talking about how her parents and this like da 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 like all the drama so how can we you know how can i help how can they how try can to cope with the situation yeah exactly like how can they seek comfort well i mean there's sort of the uh, i would say kind of obvious responses of whenever kids can get access to mental health professionals mm-hmm. whether it's the school guidance counselor or somebody like myself who works in a private mm-hmm. practice a life changing circumstance like that of having parents get divorced mm-hmm. or maybe a loved one passes away or you have a, you know your family moves or mm-hmm. something that's really big like that i mean it's really important for everyone to take care of themselves by you know using strategies and developing coping strategies but right. you know just in your friendships one of the things that's important to remember with teens is that teens often experience the most happy moments when they're with their friends and so even though we you know teenagers they love their families they still have like their the real joyous moments with their friends so if you're able mm-hmm. to be with your friend and you know share a laugh share a common interest let them know how much you appreciate them being in in your life being a good listener where when they're with you they yeah. can kind of set some of those problems aside and just experience some humor and and to not have the burden of whatever's mm-hmm. happening at home be with okay. them all the time so it doesn't mean that you can't talk about their concerns absolutely you want to be a good listener but yeah. also recognize that your place might be to just be a joyful moment for them you know to give them yeah. a chance to laugh and think about something else right. so we know from research that kids really rely on those happy moments to you know feel content and i think right now with you know our world being impacted by covid and we're doing a lot of online learning like we don't yeah. necessarily have the same access to our friends where they get like affection and the same degree of like eye yeah. contact and stuff and so it's a little clumsy right now but mm-hmm. for example let's say you're on a FaceTime call with a friend you know you can do a great job by just not doing something else at the same time you know what i mean mm-hmm. like not yeah, yeah. uh texting while you're on you know on a on a call, call with them right. or not yeah. cleaning your right. room i mean and just being present and making eye contact and letting them see you smile and laugh like just really being with them in a in a in a meaningful way can be yeah. very very healing mm-hmm. for people okay yeah that's yeah that's some great listen. advice yeah i feel like that helped a lot of people who will be listening to our podcast episode so as we're nearing the end we wanted to let you guys know that dr tara does have books uh, you published two books right Right, I have a book that is both books are parenting books. So, uh-huh, okay. Um one of them is a book called Better Behavior for Ages 2 to 10, and mm-hmm. it was published in 2013 and it's a book that has strategies oh, okay. for parents who have kids, maybe, you know, they they want their kids to be good listeners, they want to know how to give consequences, they know what they want to know how to um have a really nurturing mm-hmm. communication style with their kids. Mm-hmm. And then I have a newer book that I just published last February um called Adolescence Parents Guide and it focuses mm-hmm. on you know it looks at the different age groups of kids and kind of what journeys they go through developmentally and then talks about some common issues that face preteens, teens and even kids who are kind of approaching adulthood 
So it has a lot of really practical scenarios in there. And, um, you know, it's really meant to be, both of them are meant to be mm -hmm. books that give a lot of clear, easy to follow recommendations. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, so the, the link will be in the description if you guys want to get it. You also have a podcast, right, Dr. I think uh, you mentioned before. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's called, so I want, yeah, it's called later, One Day, right? One Day, no, it's called One Day You'll Thank Me. Oh, one day, and, oh, yep. okay. And it is also a parenting podcast, and the co-host is with my teenage daughter. And each week, we talk about oh, okay. you know topics in parenting or mental health. Okay. We interview a lot of experts on a whole bunch of topics, whether it's anxiety or how to have your child apply to college, or you know, talking okay. about uh, we talked about uh, social media and um, how to communicate with your child's teachers. Um, all sorts of things. Every week is kind of something different. And mm -hmm. that's usually the podcast episodes are between 30 and 45 minutes. And they're very, mm -hmm. they're meant to be very practical and give mm -hmm. parents some really good tips. And they're also meant to be episodes that you could listen to with your teenager. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. Yeah, that's really interesting too. Yeah, we'll so link the links will be in the description again, if you guys want to listen to the podcast. I just wanted to say that uh, you also have, you host a clinic, right? And any of appointments? Well, I have a private practice in North Carolina. So where oh, I'm yeah. licensed, if somebody wanted to work with me directly as a therapist, they do need to be a person who resides in North Carolina. But then okay. I also have the podcast. I have a website called www.drtaraegan.com where people can get access to some of my online courses. You can link up with my book. I'm just starting a new parenting webinar where mm -hmm. every week there's a free parenting webinar where um, parents can sign up for that and they'll be enrolled in that and they'll, they can join us live or they can get the recording sent to them later and just okay. decide if it's a topic that feels relevant to them or their family. Mm -hmm. And they can, so they can get access to the information that I have to share in mm -hmm. multiple ways, not just through my therapy practice. Okay. Okay. If you want to check her out, the link will be in the description description again, again. yeah awesome. so thank you so much dr tara for talking to us and it really benefited me as well on how to stay healthy well yeah, thank you so much ladies you're doing a great job yeah thank you so much for joining this was so really really exciting and i mentioned this like thousands of times this episode but this was super exciting for us i had a lot of fun and i learned a lot Same. from you and i'm definitely going to be taking a lot of your Same advice yeah and Thank you so much. It was again. some really great advice. Like, I feel well, like great. we all should follow it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, when you post this episode, let me know and I'll share it on my social media too. Of course. Thank oh, you. thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so along okay. with Mega and I, we thank all our listeners around the world for supporting and loving us. Follow at MVTalks2020 on Instagram for shout outs and requests. Our active listener shout out for this week goes to... <laughs> at <laughs> cushy underscore k thanks so much cushy yes guys remember to always stay safe and positive yeah and we will be also linking dr tara's website so make sure to check it out if you want to receive updates on our latest episodes for example we'll be bringing in the future episodes make sure to subscribe to our emailing list have a great day everyone it's me varsha and mega signing, signing off, off. Two kinds of bacon and all kinds of delicious. Say hello to Donato's new Bacon Duo pizzas. Two pizzas each with two kinds of bacon. Try the new Pepperoni Bacon Duo with pepperoni, Canadian bacon, and hardwood smoked bacon. And the Chipotle Bacon Duo with Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon. 
Now get $2 off a large bacon duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's. Every piece is important. Donato's just didn't add bacon to their pizzas. They added bacon to their bacon. Canadian bacon and hardwood smoked bacon. Or Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon. Get $2 off a large bacon duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's. Every piece is important.